Southern California, yeah. Born and raised our DNA, laughing, cried on what we say. We hit you with that wordplay. Four zero five three. What episode are we on? D, they feeling like they be zombies, all dressed in Abercrombie. SoCal DNA coming in live. Eight o'clock on a Wednesday night. COVID got you sitting inside. Why not sip one and free your mind? Cheap thrills, popping pills, stack cash, spend it fast. Listen to all of those lies as Arjun act like he's surprised. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're looking at your, your screen right now, but I'm sharing some very important moments with you right now. And it's just it's on replay. I'm loving every second that passes of it. There's none other than my favorite, my coveted NBA Top Shot moment. You know, I, I'm pretty sure you, you know exactly which one I'm talking about. But I got Yeah, I I've I've had the pleasure of looking at it for the past three minutes uh, on loop. <laughs> And, uh, oh it's, yeah! It's, so, uh, oh, get down. Yep. There we go. Yep. There we go. Here's there the best is. one. Here's the best one. Look at the disappointment. Oh yeah. Oh wait. wait Great wait. angle. <laughs> Great angle. How about you describe exactly what the the moment is for our our audio only listeners? Ah yes. Yeah. So we got we're we're talking about NBA Top Shot. I got probably my my biggest purchase uh, to date. Uh, none other than the bald Mamba himself, Alex Caruso. It's a block of his. Um, it's you know very nice card. It's a rare card. Uh, only thirteen twenty five minted. I got number four twenty two, which uh, it's a respectable serial. I think it's respectable. Part of the early adopter system where I believe uh, those that were still in the, even the alpha phase maybe were able to purchase this pack, and it showcases uh, our bald mamba in a brilliant white headband. Unlabeled, unlabeled. He's not sponsored, so it's just a plain white. Uh, I would say almost a do rag, but nice and open up on top. Swatting, you know, flying through the air, swatting at none other than the former Laker, the the still. I I don't want to talk down too much on him. I talk down on Lonzo Ball. So Lonzo comes in, you know, Josh Hart gives him a. Little dime, little dime, trying to help him out. You know, Lonzo goes up, and yeah, he goes down. That's all ball right there. Caruso, all ball, stopping Lonzo from what could be uh, a dunk, more likely uh, a layup. But Caruso says, get that shit out of here, and proceeds to throw him on the floor like the true champ he is. Well, I think, Don, you know, you provided a great description of Alex Caruso's block from the Early Adapters Series 1. But both the audience and myself, we are sick. We're absolutely sick of watching this highlight on replay over and over again. I think it's time we do something kind of special. Let's go ahead and open up one of the new packs that you recently were fortunate enough to get through NBA Top Shot. So let's kind of show our audience what it looks like here. Let's go ahead and do that. All right, here's the pack. Let's go ahead and open it up. Let's see what we got here. So... Mm. I think to everyone, to catch them up, we, both the A and I, were able to get up on this pre-order base set here, both lucky enough to mm. have been up in, what, like 24 hours they gave us, or something like that, to 48, yeah. Was it 48? Yeah. And, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. liking it, because it's number 24, so I'm feeling really good. I'm, I'm expecting a Kobe moment in here. You know, I'm expecting oh. it. 
<laughs> okay, right, you know, I'm just saying. So go ahead. I, I, hope, I, I hope it's uh, I hope it's uh, like a low serial number for you. Let's I'm see. hoping. I'm hoping. You know, if we could squeeze. Uh, oh, that's kind of cool. Out. So you get to reveal one by one. Okay. Yeah, man. So which one? Which one are you feeling? Uh, let's go left to right. Left to right. All right. Left to right. All right. Here we go. You got to give it the give it a little love. You know, give it that finger right there. Mm. So we're gonna go ahead and see mm. what we got here. We're gonna open it up. Ooh, a, uh jetty jetty osmond with yeah, the uh, chase down block you know not bad not bad uh, i prefer a different person in a cavalier costume doing the chase down block but you know i'll take i'll take, <laughs> I'll take hey it's it guess who it's against <laughs> it's against the person you like jordan clarkson oh man i have a car you jordan clarkson that i have on sale right now i'm trying to get rid of those suckers Try to get rid of. Oh, I mean, and you gotta b- bump the price down to two bucks, probably. But, all right, here we go. <laughs> but not bad. I all just, right. I, I just like. Not it. bad. You know, uh, you know, just to bring it up, uh, they lost that game. You know, they lost it. Oh, so I'm not by a lot, <laughs> by, by quite a bit. Oh man. So all right, you know, it's all right. It's all, all right. right. So, all right. Yeah, all we'll right. go to the next one. The next. That's a little, probably a five dollar right here. Not too bad. Could sure. be worse. Could be worse. All right, here we go with the next. Oh, a low Ooh. one. Ooh. Okay. Hey, oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Blake Griffin. That's a good one. I like that, dude. Check that yeah. out. Look at that. So this is a uh, Detroit Blake, right? Detroit Blake. That is right. And same thing going on here. Right? They still lost that game. But you know, serial number nine hundred. Was it nine hundred one? You know, I I actually I actually think this is a valuable one because there's not too many Blake cards out there. So this is probably a yeah. pretty penny. And it's, it's a, a rare. One. It's a rare, too. Limited edition. So I'm, I can't be mad. Oh. oh, and it's his first Top Shot one that he was on. Hey. So that might great be worth it. We'll, we'll check that money out later. We'll check it out. Last but not least. Here we go. Mm. I hope it's low. Oh, okay. it's an assist. Assist? Ah, you know, not oh, bad. Oh, Chris, Chris Middleton. Middleton. Okay, not let's bad. see what this is. Let's see. Oh, oh dude, that's, that's a, a sick assist, man. Nice little dime. Sick dime. Wow. Between ah. two defenders. Who's yep. it to? Is it to, to Drew. uh it's to Drew. Drew Holiday? Wow. Yeah. I like it. Wow. I like it, man. So I awesome. It would, it would I like nice. all three of your picks, man. I think Pretty I got good. lucky. I got lucky. Pretty solid. I got lucky. Let's, let's, let's take a, a look. Pack. Let's take a look really quick. Of, uh, you can probably edit this out if anything, but let's, let's see. Let's see what they're worth really quick. All right. We'll, we'll save Blake for oh, last. Blake? I'm assuming that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, that, that, should be a, that should be a good one. All right. So let's go ahead and look at Seti's. Let's see what they got. Let's see. Oh, okay. Well, we're, we're looking at a four dollar. Five, yeah, five. It's not bad. Not bad. Five on a good day. Five on a good. Not day. On a good day. Not good. I'll, I'll wait it out. I, I think I have all my lows starting at eight. Assuming like you know it'll have oh, okay. that uptick eventually. All right. Let's yeah. Let's go ahead and take a look at Chris. Oh, this one's got to be like a tenner. Uh, you know, okay. you were close. close. Okay, you were close. Round up. Round up. Round up. I get it. Round up. Round up. All right. Okay, now my Blake, dude. I actually think you're going to be happy with the Blake. I think what do you it's going to be about sixty. Sixty. All right. Let's sixty. Look, that's my guess. Look, take a look. Oh fuck! Really? <laughs> hey, but okay. But I have a low still cereal. good though. Still really good. Yeah. So like, let's take you have a low cereal. Look. Yeah. Uh, let's go serial number lowest. All right. Well, we got the first ones obviously, but let's go to the nine hundreds. That's usually what I look at. Give or take. So I've, I've been seeing like 85 as the lowest so far, more or less. 80, 65, mm-hmm. 65-ish. So I think okay. you're right. You're on the money. You're on the money for the perceived value, I think. So you can't complain. Okay. okay. So, you know, I might, I might Dude, listen. That's solid. I might listen out of 60. Yeah. 
Or you know what? Or higher. Or, you know? or keep it up to you. <laughs> uh, to no, you man. I, I, I've been flipping. I've been flipping, man. So I think, okay, okay, uh, okay. I got you. you. Know, for now, um, let's go ahead and exit out of here. Not bad. Not bad for a pack. Sure. I think uh, I definitely got my money's worth there. Turn that those two okay. lower cards into the actual pack cost, and then Blake's all profit. I, w- I would, you know, mm-hmm. I think justify saying that. Um, where was mm-hmm. I going with this? Oh, yeah. So I think my current and my new take on NBA Top Shot is to just buy packs. Just buy packs whenever they're available. I don't want to touch the market. The market is so full of unknowns. We've seen it go up and down way too many times for what's comfortable for me. Um, and, you know, I think I'm the only card that I really truly value right now is that Caruso card that I was showcasing earlier. Uh, I think that's the only card that's probably safe mm-hmm. in my collection, unless I, I were to land a, you know, mm-hmm. one of the, another low serial somewhere else with a, a more prestigious character. Uh, well, what's your mm-hmm. current take on the Top Shot market, man? Uh, you know, I I haven't been keeping up with it as much as I was before, but I agree with you. I think you you discussed the strategy last time. Uh, where you're pretty much going to be packs only from now on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the right strategy. I think it's the, the safest, lowest risk. And it's kind of like, you know, every so often Adidas or Nike, they have a pretty nice shoe drop. And, you know, you get into the lottery, you hope that you can get a shoe. And if you do, usually you can flip it for profit. Or if you really like it, you can keep it. And sure. I think having that approach for NBA Top Shot is the right way to go about things. Um, I think... Earlier, I used to make the comparison to a mini stock market, but I I think over time, because of the reasons Don mentioned, the volatility of the marketplace, probably even more so than the real stock market, I just don't think it's worth looking at it that way. I don't think day trading is necessarily for me, at least. Maybe some people are still benefiting off of it, but for me, like Don, uh, every time there's a pack release, we'll give it the old college try. Uh, maybe I'll get a, a legit pack one day, maybe in a year or two. We'll see. <laughs> but other, otherwise, uh, I, I think, yeah, I think it's something that we'll check in and on time and time again, but it's not going to be an everyday thing. Only when there's a pack drop, then we'll get hyped. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and I, I, I've been getting lucky. I mean, I think you only got the base packs, right? Or lucky enough to get a base pack. Yeah, I, I got, I got the one that I got the one that Top Shot felt like. You know, we're gonna give everybody a freebie. Here's a here, here's somebody here here's something for everybody that, sure. that sucks at getting packs. And so I got that one. But so I I think what Don described for his strategy is very much gonna be my strategy as well. Uh, every time there's a pack drop, we're gonna get hyped. Um, we're gonna wish each other good luck, and we're gonna hope that uh, we can get some packs. But other than that, I'm totally okay not thinking about top shot for most days um i i don't really keep up the discord anymore or, or the twitter i actually unfollowed some people i was following mm. before like those top shot insiders sure. um because i know for the most part given the fact that top shot is growing there's going to be fewer stress tests and anything that's a legit pack release we will get some kind of a newsletter notification for i'm pretty confident about that and this is just another way for me to like not eat up too much of my time focusing on top shot as fun as it can be as don showed you know you can get these really cool moments that 
uh, can can give you some bragging rights with your friends, you know, with Alonzo Ball getting demolished by Alex Caruso, great moment, great or moment. even getting a really great one for sure, or even getting a really dope moment like uh, Blake's Top Shot debut, <laughs> debut, excuse me, on the Pistons, um, which can go for a pretty penny. So, you know, there's a lot of fun to be had, but I, I prefer it in bursts. I prefer it in brief moments where it doesn't consume the most of my day. So, yeah, man, Top Shot, it's something we'll revisit from time to time. Perhaps not every episode, but whenever we have something interesting, we'll revisit it. And eventually, when I build up my pack collection, I will do a pack opening extravaganza for everybody to enjoy. That'll be a lot of fun. So obviously, you know, a big part of Top Shot is showing off your collection. And, you know, in Don's case, he loves to replay Lonzo Ball getting blocked by Caruso over and over again. And, you know, that could lead to some tension between the co-hosts. That could lead to some beef between the co-hosts. But nothing compares to the beef that's been dishing mm. back and forth between Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets and some teenagers online, as well as some notable celebrities like Shannon Sharp and Michael Rappaport. So in this particular instance, I think it's necessary to provide some context, right? Uh, KD, he's known to be a little bit, how should I put it, thin-skinned when it comes to social <laughs> media. Unlike other superstars, unlike other celebrities, he tends to respond. He likes to take time out of his busy day, and we know the guy's doing a lot. Um, you know, juggling businesses, juggling uh, media ventures, and of course, playing basketball for a title contender. In all that, he finds time to go on one of his burner accounts or even his own social media accounts and talk some smack to the likes of, let's say, Michael Rappaport to begin with. Now, Michael Rappaport, for those that don't know, he is a Caucasian actor. He did a couple of sitcoms that all failed. He's now kind of a uh, kind of like an analyst from time to time for the NBA that joins Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp on Fox Sports 1's Undisputed. And, you know, he's, uh, he's not everybody's cup of tea. He tends to ruffle some feathers. He's a little bit confrontational, but that's his brand. More power to him. You know, everybody has to make a hustle some way. And so for him, he's known to kind of antagonize different people. He talks some shit back and forth with people. And apparently he has this kind of a back and forth, you know, insult-laden relationship with the likes of KD. But it got kind of overboard to a certain point. And... Michael Rappaport, he crossed the one rule that usually you don't cross, especially when you have conversations that are private, that are DMs. He decided to screenshot everything and post it to mm. his own social media so everybody can see. That's a big no-no. I think yep. in all circles in life, you don't want to do that. So obviously, he's kind of uh, losing some friends, probably losing some contacts in his Rolodex right now. But... The subject matter, now that it's out there, I mean, obviously we have to deal with it. Subject matter was rather disgusting. I mean, it's Kevin Durant basically making threats and saying, hey, you know, I can't wait to drive over and spit on your face. I can't wait to, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, just talking smack about the wife, talking smack about everything, using very, very vulgar language. Okay. And, you know, some people were saying, oh, the the snapshots or the screenshots rather were edited because Michael Rappaport was also dishing it out, but he deleted his messages. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like it, it, it looks like uh, it's all one-sided and Michael Rappaport's this angel, but really he's probably talking some smack too. This was a, a subject of uh, much debate on all the usual shows that we watch, like First Take on ESPN, Undisputed, and uh, you know, just everybody else, The Jump, ESPN's The Jump talking about it too. 
And they all kind of echoed the same sentiment that I shared before that, you know what, you broke the bro code, number one, you know, you don't post these messages, you don't air your dirty laundry out. Um, but number two, Kevin Durant's reaction was kind of interesting as well. He didn't outright apologize for the behavior. He apologized that people saw him talking like this as if mm. to say he's going to continue, you know, doing what he does, but he just regrets that it got out. So take that how you will. Um, I, I kind of want to bring this to a greater topic, though. I don't want to focus on Michael Rappaport because he quite frankly doesn't deserve our two cents. But <laughs> I want to know what you think about a superstar, one of the best to ever do it in the NBA, Kevin Durant. Why do you think he cares so much to do this with like random people online, with celebrities, with anybody? What, what do you think? Why do you think he does all this? Yeah, I think, I mean, he has thin skin, as you said. Um, I think that even though he's reached the level of stardom that he's at, he somehow wants to kind of have the S on his chest sort of look for some reason. He realizes that, you know, there's really great opportunities that kind of get tied into your career if you have a certain level of, you know, stardom, uh, public stardom, have you, um, that he possibly thinks he could kind of salvage by, you know, talking to the naysayers or having burners basically to um, protect his image. I don't know why he cares so much. I think he's stuck in LeBron's shadow for whatever reason. And, well, I, you know, actually he should be stuck in LeBron's shadow because he is probably the most iconic uh, NBA player, at least today, given social media and his ability to showcase all of his right doings all over the place, that he feels he needs to do something to polish his social media. Why? I don't, I don't know. You, you gotta have one of those, you know, he has to have a conversation with one of his homies saying, dude, your actions speak louder than words. Why are you doing wordplay on some social media platform like go out go donate a couple computers to a school in brooklyn that'll get you more followers and more mm. love um at a cheaper price tag than whatever the heck you're trying to buy your way out of now because uh, who knows what else in social media he's had to buy himself out of you know what other dms has he sent because in all honesty the way that you know uh, unfortunately you know we've seen him um, text back and forth or DM people hasn't been a good showing. Uh, it's kind of uh, not disrespectful, but it's kind of low. It's kind of childish at best. Uh, he wants to be seen as a diamond still, but we all know him to be a snake. And you know, if that were me, Oof. I would have wow. played it. I would have played it the way that Rodman played it. Right? Rodman did not have good media, but what did he do? He fucking turned that shit up some more and was like, all right, fuck it. This is me. Accept me for who I am. And then he's become a superstar in his own bad boy image. I think Kevin Durant is stuck in that bad boy image, even though deep down inside he doesn't want to be. But again, his actions kind of showcase another story from what he says. So I think he's a, a very confused child. Wonderful basketball player. But when it comes to 
just the basics yeah. of communication, especially mm-hmm. on social media. He's he's lacking somewhere. You know, he's uh, I, I guess you could say it's a match made in heaven with him and Kyrie. Uh, you mentioned a couple of phrases, confused child, yeah. you know, just, just thin-skinned in certain ways. I, I want to transition to his uh, teammate here, Kyrie Irving, because he's been in the news recently as sure. well for something a little bit different. Um, as you know, the Brooklyn Nets faced the LA Lakers, I think it was last weekend, mm-hmm. and it was surprising for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Lakers, without AD, without LeBron, actually won that game. Sure. So props to them. But number two, Kyrie and Dennis Schroeder got into a little bit of a heated exchange on the court. And at yep. first, you know, when I was watching it, because I was watching it on TV, I didn't quite pick up on what happened. Sure. It just seemed like, oh, wow, they got some texts pretty quickly. Again, this may be another example of the long line of examples this season of referees being too whistle happy. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're giving texts out left and right. And it's almost inexplicable why they're doing it so frequently. But a Looking at the analysis and I guess some, you know, post-game commentary, it's turned out that Kyrie Irving took issue with Dennis Schroeder uh, calling him by the N-word, and Kyrie Irving got into his face a little bit, and and again, Schroeder used the N-word like, you know, damn, N, just back off a little bit, you know, calm down, it's not that big of a deal. And that caused Kyrie to just totally escalate to zero to sixty, and he was like, "No, I will, I will refuse to continue. Like, I'm not going to deal with that." And the referee was just like, "You know what? This is too much drama right now. I can't handle it. I got to give you guys text again," <laughs> and and ejected both for the first time in their careers, mind you. And this is important. These guys don't have a reputation of causing trouble, sure. but these guys were both ejected on that day. Lakers, fortunately recovered and found a way to win but you know i just wanted to bring this to your attention and ask you a simple question do you think this is an isolated incident or is this really more of the straw that broke the camel's back for Kyrie? maybe he's been dealing with a lot this year reacting to you know all the different social issues and his private life that's been going on and this was kind of the boiling point this alone in a vacuum is probably not that extraordinary, mm-hmm. but for him in the moment, in the heat of moment, heat of the passion, he was just kind of over it and he just let it all out. He vented his frustration. Well, what do you think happened there? No, I think, uh, well, Kyrie has, has never been one to shy away from speaking his mind. And if I don't know if this was all hearsay, but I heard that, or I read somewhere, or at least saw images where Kyrie has converted to Islam. Um, and yes. so he may be taking on a new approach to life um, and having new morals and a better understanding of kind of what's expected of him given his new faith. And I think with all of the racial injustices that we've encountered in the past couple years now, Right, especially in the past couple of years, um, he's he's getting more woke, and I think, I mean, I'm I'm hoping this isn't just him trying to spin it, but what I think he's trying to do was, he wants to get rid of the casual use of the N word, and rightfully so. Mm. If that's the case, I am with him, and I can understand where he's coming from. 
um, because it, to me it's a very disrespectful word, as are other words used for other races. But I believe that the N-word is used more casually given our exposure to mainstream music, to how rap is pretty much a very highly utilized genre here in the United States. And just, you know, just in general, even on some TV shows, some R-rated movies, the N-word is thrown left and right without any regard for probably the history behind how the word was developed. And for whatever reason, maybe Kyrie found uh, one of those books on that flat earth that he lives on that taught him the history of it and he became woke to it where now he has an agenda that is a good one, finally to kind of showcase how words in today's day and age can mean many, many things. But there's certain words, such as the N-word, that shouldn't even be a part of our vocabulary. Uh, you know, I'd be surprised. Uh, I don't know if you want to look this up for me, but is the N-word in the Oxford Dictionary? I think... I think at least one version of the N word, sure, maybe sure. maybe in the Oxford Dictionary, but probably probably er, yeah. could be could yeah, be. Yeah, but yeah. I I do want to, you know, I do want to bring up the other side of this debate, and this is something that Shannon Sharp brought up before. My favorite, uh, yeah, he, he's a great, uh, I guess, foil to Skip Bayless. I think they, <laughs> you know, counter each other and work off of each other's energy quite sure. well. But he basically said, you know. There is a, a very good argument that this word, the N-word, should be banned. Like, it should not be something that's used anymore. But over time, and this is true, over time, the N-word, at least for, you know, of course, the African-American people aren't a monolith. There's going to be a spectrum of views. But over time in the African-American community, uh, at least some parts of it, the N-word has become not so much a derogatory thing kind of evolved it's been morphed it's been kind of molded into a different way of expression right it's not necessarily just a a harsh critical word that's you know conveying the sense of racism all the time it's almost used as like a you know let's say an acquaintance or a friendship or some kind of like togetherness showing some kind of a camaraderie in the african-american community and Shannon was basically arguing, look, I'm going to continue using this word with my friends. I'm not going to stop using it. I know plenty of African-American people that use this word. Um, but I also respect where Kyrie's coming from. And they had this greater conversation where they involved um, uh, some other Fox Sport analysis, uh, analyst. I think it was Chris Broussard, actually. And Chris Broussard shares your opinion, Don, that the word should be banned. It's not something that should be used. But he does say that it's very much part of the lexicon, part of the vocabulary for many people. And so the question I bring to you is, if a word that conveys this much historical racism and is rooted in that, if that, one, if that word is pretty much transformed or adopted in a different way so that it's given new meaning, do you think it's still worth banning it? Yeah, because even though it may adapt new meaning, it's still going to have the historical inferences that some that don't accept the new meaning 
we'll use it for. I think that though a lens can change the perspective of images, you'll still know what the image is after you take off the lens. So it's still going to be there. You're not getting rid of whatever it was, what it's been, what it's going to be to some people. So I'm outright for it to be banned. I don't think it can be done um, because we live in a world where not everybody is going to be accepting of it, right? Some people are going to say it's just slang or something like that. Why are you being so soft about this whole thing? But to others, they're going to ramp it up. Um, we don't have to deal with it. So it's easier said than done. Uh, I can only imagine, you know, given some of the other uh, racial slurs used on my own race, you know, how it feels to hear it on a daily basis. I haven't had that. And I'm, I'm grateful for it. So <sighs> changing it won't change what's been done. So sometimes it's better just to burn the bridge rather than try to build a new one. Mm, mm. it's it's uh definitely an interesting conversation and one that i think both of us are not very qualified to fully have mm -hmm. but um i think going back to the brooklyn nets we talked about kd we talked about Kyrie, but there's another brooklyn net that uh made some news recently claxton. and of course we're talking uh steve not claxton this time uh you know steve nash coaches this player you're very oh, close oh, uh, hard uh, you know, it's a teammate of Harden, so oh, you're very close. Oh, dang. Uh, Dan Tony. So, annoying guesses aside, <laughs> uh, the player we're talking about is Lamarcus Aldridge. Sure. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, of course, um, we all know that he recently joined the Brooklyn Nets after going into the buyout market. He was debating between the Nets, maybe the Lakers, and a couple of other teams as well, but he ultimately chose the Brooklyn Nets because he thought it gave him the best shot at winning a title. And things were going well for him. I think in his first couple games back, he was playing well. Uh, and people were like, oh, wow, you know, he was not this great. Maybe on the Spurs, he seemed like he was dogging it a bit. Went for Blake Griffin. Um, but then very suddenly, it turns out that he suffered something that was very, very wild, very unknown. He had an irregular heartbeat. And this pretty much forced him against his will, but it forced him to retire. And he still had plenty left in the tank, obviously. He was going to go for that championship run, but mm -hmm. an irregular heartbeat is not something to be traveled with. I mean, he could die mm -hmm. if it's not looked at properly, if it's not taken care of, and he's not taken the right precautions to avoid any kind of serious damage. Um, he's doing fine now. I don't think he's in a critical condition at the moment, but... It's just amazing because as soon as I read that news, I, I thought of Chris Bosch. And Don pointed out to me that for Chris Bosch, it was a little bit different. It was about blood clots, not so much a, a heart arrhythmia. But knowing that it, it was something that took his career pretty much off, right? Like he couldn't continue playing anymore. It kind of hurt to see that. I mean, these guys are former all-stars. These guys have plenty of fans. And they still had something left in the tank. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, they weren't in a primes when this happened. But still, for, for Aldridge, 
it would have been interesting to see him try to go into the playoffs with the Brooklyn Nets and vie for a championship. It would have been cool to see that for him since he's never made it that far. But now it's over and he's never going to play basketball again. Mm. So I, I know, Don, you don't have the best relationship with LaMarcus. <laughs> but but what was your reaction when you heard this news? Uh, I, I found it very, very, very unfortunate. Uh, it, it truly was his best opportunity to play for a ring. Uh, I'd be interested in see uh, how the basketball legal teams will deal with what happens if Brooklyn ends up winning. Does uh, LaMarcus Aldridge still get a ring? Uh, if so, does he want yeah, the ring? Actually, they. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. I, I did confirm that. In his limited time that he mm-hmm. signed with the Brooklyn Nets, if the Brooklyn Nets do win a championship, he will get a ring. That's for sure. Well, that's that's, um, that's since, fantastic. But yeah. I mean, you played five games for them. Um, it, it, it's a touchy subject, or uh-huh. it's a weird subject to have because you know there's part of it where it's like there's a, a certain level of pride. That goes into, I assume, by the way, I'm not I'm no professional basketball player. My jump shot's still flat, right? Um, but there's a certain level of pride to I thought it was that. flame. I thought your jump shot was flame. <laughs> uh, a certain level when you know you were, you know, part of the part of the team, legitimately part of the team with them, through the thick and thin, attending practice, you know, you like putting in the, the 16-hour workouts and shit all day long. I assume the ring means a ton more when you've put in the time, been with the team, gelled with the team, and were part of the or was part of the culture that helped bring the championship to the team. But you know, a, a ring is a ring. I mean, at the very least, he could flip it like I do my moments, but or auction <laughs> it off, maybe something like that. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, but, you know, at least immediately I, for the guy, I feel bad. I mean, I, I didn't like him as a player, sure. Uh, but he did have stellar stats throughout his career. Uh, I'd say he's maybe a future Hall of Famer. He's not going to be a first rounder for sure, maybe not even second rounder. But he has a stat line to at least um, be included in the debate for Hall of Fame in the future. It's just unfortunate because, like you said earlier, there, there was still something in the tank for him. And even though he was playing, like, what, 20-some minutes, maybe, for uh, the Nets when he played there, sure. you know, he was he was producing. He sure. just wasn't a big body, as I had assumed he was going to be. He still had the scoring prowess that they probably wanted, right, coming off the bench, pairing it up with Blake. So now you have two bigs out there, or one-and-a-half big, depending on if you count Blake as a big, um, really kind of dominating, showing that veteran presence, especially to the youngins that the Brooklyn Nets have to work with given their limited roster or actually their limited salary that they're working with. Um, it's unfortunate. It, it sucks when an injury plagues a person more so than a team because, of course, it's nice to know that Brooklyn basically lost one of its bullets in the chamber. But it just sucks knowing that this guy is not going to play basketball anymore. Like This is what he loves to do this is what he's basically you know worked on and, and his craft that he's mastered you know he's one of the hundred or some or 200 people that uh, uh have graced the tv screens that we so 
you know, that we love to watch. And he's been the bane of our existence in some cases uh, when going up against us. But, you know, same thing with Bosch. When, when someone who is such a high-tier, high-caliber player loses even the option of continuing, it hurts a bit. Yeah, um, I, I think you said it very eloquently. I personally like it when superstars, or even just stars for that matter, mm-hmm. are healthy. Mm-hmm. I think the league is more entertaining. The game is more interesting when Derrick Rose doesn't get hurt. Yeah, when Kobe doesn't tear his Achilles. Yep. when Blake can still dunk. You know, <laughs> he all, still all can. these things. Yeah, he can. You're right. You're right. He's dunking again now. I like that move for Blake. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, I like it when stars are playing close to their full potential yeah. and are healthy. Because it just makes it more competitive. And mm-hmm. when the game is more competitive, the show is more interesting. And it's just going to be tough for LaMarcus Aldridge fans, just like Chris Bosh fans, to not see him play in the NBA again and happen so quickly, mm-hmm. happen so suddenly. And speaking of things happening so suddenly, another tragedy has happened recently. Uh, royalty has died. And no, not talking about Prince Philip. I'm talking about... Hip hop royalty. Oh I'm my talking god, about... man! <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm talking about Earl Simmons. So savage. Earl Simmons. <laughs> Earl Simmons, aka DMX. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, obviously, DMX has been going through some issues, some substance abuse, substance abuse issues. Excuse me for quite some time, and it all kind of caught up to him recently. Uh, I believe he suffered a. Some kind of a consequence of overdose and he was in some kind of a vegetative state in his final days before finally you know i guess the family might have decided to pull the plug and he passed away um relatively young man you know i think either in his late 40s or early 50s and it was um you know it was it was saddening news for sure um i remember one of the first hip-hop albums that I ever purchased. I think right after I bought 50 Cent's To Get Richard I Trying, right? After that one, I had bought, believe it or not, Grand Champ by DMX because that had come go. out around the same time. So with the, and, the dog uh, in the front, it, right? Yeah, 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 that one. And, um, you know, I enjoyed it. There were some really good hits on it. Where the Hood At, uh, Get It On The Floor. Um, you had features from... Cameron from the Diplomats. You had features from 50 Cent on Shot Down with Styles P. It was really good if you enjoy that kind of aggressive gangster rap kind of music. And um and and learning of his passing made me actually want to find more interviews and more music by him. And so I was just, you know, looking back at different things that he did, there was his verses that he did between himself and Snoop Dogg last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could tell he's certainly over the hill. He's probably double or triple the weight that he used to be in his sure. prime. Um, and, you know, he's lost a step or two. And, you know, he, maybe he's not quite all there, but he's EMX, right? And you kind of got to give him props for what he was able to accomplish as a hip-hop musical act. Um, and, of course, for me personally, I mean, I'll remember... One of my favorite hip hop songs of all time is X Gone Give It To You. And you know the one I'm talking mm-hmm. about, Don. And one of my mm-hmm. favorites, just so much aggression, so much energy, just great music, you know, front to back. Um, he's not everybody's cup of tea. 
he is not easy listening to say the least he is aggressive he is the embodiment of attitude he's kind of like the hip-hop version of stone cold steve austin that's how i would describe him um and you take the good with the bad for him he struggled a lot in life especially after his peak time um, I remember he was arrested on multiple occasions for impersonating a police officer at an airport. <laughs> he was on different drugs, cocaine, sure. oxy, just left and right, you name it. Um, you know, he definitely had some love up in his pocket. But at, at the end of the day, <laughs> he was still beloved by many fans throughout the world. And whenever you see somebody of that nature, an artist that provided a lot of joy in different ways to the audience. I think it's always sad to see somebody like that go. Um, but Don, I want to get your two cents, man. Uh, what did DMX's music mean to you? And maybe what were your favorite DMX songs? Uh, I mean, I won't speak too much about his, his uh, I guess, discography, because I can't name it off the top of my head. But it's one of those artists where mm-hmm. if you hear a track, you know exactly if he did it. Uh, and I think that speaks levels as to the impact he's had in the hip-hop world or rap world, whichever one you want to categorize him into. I think uh, the, the, the passing, especially in a case that could have been prevented uh, over time, is, is definitely a showing of how life changes once you reach the peak of success. Uh, I feel like he was a, a fantastic artist, wasn't my number one go-to when it came to uh, listening or telling Siri to play something on Spotify. But whenever you needed an energy boost of some sort, DMX was going to give it to you, no matter what. Um, and mm. he, he always came hard. Um, you, you know, also, let's shout out his uh, acting career. He has a couple movies out there. I wouldn't say he's the best. Oh, actor, yeah. But, you know, he, he played the role flawlessly. Um, actually, not flawlessly, but mm. he played the role. Did a decent job at it. Um, <laughs> sure. But he, he's had a very, very successful life. And uh, I, I wish uh, his family and his loved ones, um, you know, all the blessings in the world. Uh, he will be missed. He was definitely an entertainer. He was definitely one of a kind, I would say, given his uh, pedigree. <laughs> pedigree. And, um, ah, he... <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, it's just sucky because he was one of the greats. He was one of the greats that really stood out in the 90s and even, say, early 2000s. Or even 2000s, just in general. And I think he still released some newer tracks, even in the, you know, 20... I want to say most recently. I'd say, what, a couple years back, maybe. So, mm. it, it, it's, it sucks... I don't get it. I wish it didn't happen. I was hoping that he was going to make a showing on uh, the new Fast and Furious that's coming out, but he's not. Um, so, oh. you know, it, it is a sad day for the hip-hop world when it did happen. And it's still a sad year that, you know, we lost him. So <sighs> maybe it's one of these times where we, we got to do an album review in his honor. Yeah, that, that might be kind of interesting, um, or at least kind of touch on some of his hits, because uh, we do have quite a long queue oh. for album reviews. <laughs> um, but, you know, actually, I'm glad you mentioned this, because 
something that we don't do very well is promote our album reviews on the main podcast. Sure. So for those that have been uh, listening to our podcast on the weekly, maybe on YouTube or on Google Podcasts, know that we do something kind of special on Spotify, exclusively on Spotify. So given the fact that we use Anchor as our distribution and hosting platform, we're able to use um, the official music from Spotify for our album reviews. And we do this in a playlist form where typically we do some kind of an introduction we talk about an album for 10 minutes and then we jump into the first song and then we react to the song. And it's almost like you're playing a playlist of both the tracks and the commentary mm-hmm. as you go through the episode. And these are all uploaded to uh, Spotify. So please, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't already, check us out on Spotify and there you'll find a few interesting albums. I believe we started with 1999 from Rich Brian, who we know now, friend of the show, Leroy, loves Rich Brian and <laughs> has a lot of you know, commentary about him. And then we went on to you know several other artists, including, uh, you know, we did Red Hot Chili Peppers for their last album, The Getaway from 2016. Uh, you know, we did Logic, No Pressure, his quote-unquote retirement album, which is fantastic. And, you know, we also did some less interesting albums like uh <laughs> let's say poison by swiss beats uh we also did kid cuddy's man on the moon part three which was interesting to say the least and we certainly know that he is here now here i am oh we know that for a fact. Um, yeah yeah that's one of the takeaways for me but you know sometimes it, it does help to revisit your past it does help to provide closure on things when you travel to a place that you used to call home. And that is actually the central subject of a recent episode of Cowboy Bebop that we watched called uh, Danny Mead Elegy. So Don, I think you know what to do. Are we doomed to a cold and heartless future computer says yes, or computer says no, with the grim finality of an emperor in the arena. Ganymede, that sounds like it's uh, one of Jupiter's moons, right? That's right, that's right. And so obviously, you know, Cowboy Bebop takes place way, way in the future in this kind of, not really dystopian world, but just the world, right? Just some imagining of what the future would entail, full of space travel. And Ganymede happened to be a place that one of the main characters of the Cowboy Bebop, Jet, spent a lot of time on, you know, back in the day. We learn a lot about Jet in episode 10 of Cowboy Bebop called Ganymede Elegy, because this one is the first episode where he is the central focus. And it's not exactly a happy episode, I, I'm, I'm afraid to say. We learn, first of all, that Jet used to be a police officer on the moon of Ganymede way back in the day. And he had a, I would say, a, a, a girlfriend, probably more than a lover, a girlfriend at the time that he was very fond of. And one night, all of a sudden, after a long, hard days of work, he came back to his home at the time and he just saw on the bed a, a watch, just like a, like a pocket watch and a note alongside it that basically said farewell. And that was the end of the relationship between Jet and this woman. But ever since that day, 
Jet held on to that pocket watch as a reminder, and maybe because he never really had closure. He never really knew why, all the reasons why she left. And obviously Jet's life changed, right? He was no longer a police officer. He had to move on to the Bebop crew. He became a bounty hunter along with Spike. And it's still not fully clear how Spike and Jet met, but I'm sure they'll go over that later in future episodes. But obviously times have changed. Jet's no longer quite the same black dog, quote unquote, which was his nickname back in the day on the force that he used to be. He's somebody else now. He's a bounty hunter. So when all of a sudden they capture this random bounty who happens to need to go to the Ganymede Police Department, it was an opportunity for Jet to kind of revisit his old stomping grounds and kind of find out the truth. Why did this woman who he cared so much about decide to end the relationship? And in the process, of course, he finds out that this woman is still alive and she's running this little bar in the seaside and uh, she's kind of engaged or she kind of has like a, a boyfriend. And the boyfriend is a criminal. You know, the boyfriend even has a bounty on his head. And Jet, being a cop, being a very savvy veteran at that, he can tell, you know, this guy is not much. He's running from the law. He's a fugitive. There's some stuff going on probably. But he just wants to know why this woman left him and why she's here now, why she's with this guy. And eventually what it boils down to is, you know, the woman... She just wanted to be independent. She wanted to be able to make her own mistakes in life. And she felt that whenever she was with Jet, there was no room for her to make any mistakes because Jet would take care of everything. She felt like a little girl, you know, hanging on the arm of this big dude. And, and the guy would just, you know, easily handle every single trouble, every issue. He would always know the right thing to say. And, you know, it kind of makes sense, right? I mean, Jet in the Bebop crew, what does he do? He's the pilot, right? He's pretty much the captain of the ship. He's the guy keeping Spike in line. He's the guy who's trying to steady the ship and make sure everyone's doing the responsible thing. So he's always been that way. And you kind of see that, you know, for better or for worse, that kind of affected him and affected people around him. So they weren't meant to be. And Spike was also hot on the tail of this guy that this uh this girl and i forget the girl's name exactly i think her name's Alyssa. so this guy um let me think rent is such a weird name but uh, so Alyssa and rent they're they're kind of like a, a couple and and spike finds out from one of uh jet's old friends who's on the police force that rent has a bounty on his head it's more than a million wulong so spike goes out on his way does his investigative research tries to look around for him and the, all the while, you know, Faye is absolutely useless in this episode. She's just pretty much eye candy, I would say. She just kind of, you know, soaks in some sun on the planet of, uh, or on the moon of the Ganymede. And, and she's with, uh, um, you know, the newly acquired addition to the crew. Um, uh, what's her name? Edward. Edward. Mm -hmm. Edward, that's right. So Edward is pretty much kind of. Kind of weird. I don't even know what Edward's contribution to the crew is at this point. At the very beginning, she bites the bounty that's supposed to go back to the Ganymede police. Mm -hmm. And then she's like kind of feeling up on Faye like some kind of a cat. So, so Edward is just doing his or her thing, probably her thing. And uh, Spike's on his way tracking this guy down, Rint. But ultimately, when they realize, oh, shit, uh, you know, this is Jet's, you know, hometown and Jet needs to take care of this. Jet 
respectfully tell Spike, you know, this is my my turf. Let me handle it. Spike understands immediately. They got that, right? They got that brotherly relationship. He's like, all right, you do your thing. Spike tails off. And the end is rather sad. You know, end is rather sad because obviously Jet hounds them down, gets them cornered. Uh, Alyssa holds up the gun and tries to shoot at Jet. Her hands are trembling and Jet kind of keeps walking forward. And he kind of does the right thing, to be honest with you. Like, he knows that his own relationship with Elisa is over. But he sees the situation in front of him, and he's like, you know what? This guy still... I used to be a cop here. I have to call this in. But given the situation, given that this was self-defense, given how you described it, he shouldn't be in jail for too long. And Alyssa also had some closure there because Alyssa would not have to run and be on the run again all the time. She could stay there, wait for Rent to get out of jail, and maybe have a life for herself, the life that she always wanted on this planet, on this moon. And Jet, after hearing all that, got closure himself and tossed the pocket watch into the ocean, finally being able to move forward with his ragtag bunch of uh, uh, bounty hunters. And so for me, it was... Um, Perhaps not my favorite episode so far, but I enjoyed hearing about Jet's history and watching him react to things that truly affected him early in his life. Um, so what did you think, man? What did you think of episode 10, Ganymede Elegy? No, I, th- I thought it was a good episode. Uh, I'm more into the story-driven or story-forward episodes uh, that put other characters uh, in mm-hmm. desperate need of some context. Um, I think that now we understand why the black dog is as he is. I think he understands he, you know, he's taken a step away from being the black dog, which probably pays homage to why he's so calm in certain things, why he's not as big of a risk taker as Spike is, um, and why he's willing to kind of serve as a mentor more than anything else and just kind of float through space um, without a real care in the world for time. He just wants to have an honest living, and I think that uh, a man, given his history, doesn't really have much to lose. He he knows he's lost what he wanted, or what he had, rather, and he didn't appreciate it. So um, it's a a dark episode, if we want to look strictly at Jet's history, but to know that he's finally moved on, right, when he threw away the pocket watch at the end. And he's willing to now mm-hmm. move forward in his life, make some progress. I'm interested in seeing how active he's going to be um, compared to his now passive self for what the past ten episodes. So I like it. Um, shows uh, that he's a bigger man than what may we may have thought of him. Um, you know, it shows that being a workaholic isn't necessarily the best thing for those that you care about, and it shows that things can change. Uh, when you think that everything's just going fine and the black dog lives on but maybe a little calmer now Mm. Mm. well said well said uh and and we are more than a third of the way through cowboy bebop's epic epic series and it's very interesting i i don't think i i get bored at all while watching the show in fact i look forward to it Every time I know, you know, we finish doing this album recap, or not album, sorry, this episode recap, I'll look forward to the next one. And you never know who else may join the crew. You never know what trouble these bounty hunters will get into. And you can always count on 
some interesting character analysis in every episode. Um, so far, we learned something very, very unique, uh, you know, story-driven about Spike, about Chet, about Edward, about Faye, that, that shed some light as to who they really are, what their motivations are, and what they're looking for out there. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed our talk about the Cowboy Bebop episode 10, as well as our discussion about everything that happened these past couple of weeks. Uh, RIP DMX, of course. Um, and for those that care, RIP Prince Philip. I'm sure the, the queen and her family are in mourning right now. Sure. Um, Harry is likely all the way back in LA with his, uh, oh, his wife, Megan. Um, but, you know, the the NBA is moving along strong. Top Shot is moving along strong. And we can't wait to update you guys next time with more moments, with more fun updates. So uh, until next time, take care and make sure the dog inside you keeps on living forever.